Hello, it's Jeff. Just before we get to the show, just a friendly reminder to hit follow or subscribe on your podcast app so it's downloaded and ready to go. So I started my day listening to uh, part of a 59-song playlist of a favorite old-school funk band called The Meters, completely without intention because I hadn't really sat down and dug into the life of my special guest today. And then I did it. I thought, oh, that's appropriate. I played some meters this morning. Uh, and it won't be lost on him. Uh, he's here. He's, he's right here. Let me say a few words about him before we uh, let him speak. He's a star in the eyes and ears of most everyone who hears and sees him. He's out with a solo album. Has countless recordings that led him to that. He has his guitar here. He will play live right here shortly. And I'll go to two or three, maybe four. I, I like so many songs from the album. I... I'm having a hard time not playing the whole damn thing. But I want you to be able to go buy it after because uh, if you dig it as much as I do, you'll want to. Uh, Brief background, Ottawa raised, Toronto-based, player of many instruments, writer of many songs, singer, writer, guitarist, harp player. Bluesy award-winning trio Monkey Junk is on his resume. He's one half of Manx Mariner Mainline. He also started playing harmonica with Colin James in 2016, which continues uh, this summer and on. And he's doing uh, monkey junk shows and solo shows and theaters and clubs and homes. Welcome, Steve Mariner. I appreciate you having me up, man. It's nice to finally meet. It is nice to meet. Thank you. I say on a concert stage or uh, in a room doing a conversation interview style like we're doing now, um, without an introduction, uh, people have no sense of who you are until you pick up your guitar and play, (laughs) and then that's where the rubber hits the road. Here's something I love about what you said. You frame how you have sustained yourself as a musical artist with an L word. You know the word I'm thinking of? It's not love. It's not lesbian. It has to do with uh, attaining knowledge. Learning. Yeah, you talked about that. Expand a bit about what you meant. I seem to have an insatiable appetite for music, all different genres, all different kinds. I think that there's an endless supply of music and inspiration to draw from. So... You know, having spent so much of my life really studying blues music, especially in my teens and early 20s, now in my later than late 20s, I'm finding myself uh, just exploring all kinds of music that maybe I missed the first time around because I had, as I say, my blues goggles on, you know, and with that, when you're a blues teen, there's a lot of pressure to become this torchbearer for the genre. You know, going forward, you have a lot of people patting you on the back saying, oh, you're going to keep the blues alive which to me sounds almost like CPR. But, uh, you know, (laughs) while I love the genre, I love the community, uh, I'm not beholden to any one genre. And so I take great joy in discovering music that I never learned before or never heard. You know, you mentioned Billy Bragg, and and I feel embarrassed to be like, who's that? You know, and I look forward to delving into his catalog later because it's a name I've heard a lot of times but haven't really dug into. So... All that to say, I welcome recommendations and discoveries and learning as much music as possible that can inform what I do going forward. Well, thank you. I think you will like Billy Bragg. He did stuff with Wilco. and he, It comes down, uh, in his case, and in your case, as is evident from the, the new record, uh, Hope Dies Last. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, it's evident that it's about the songs more than anything else. I mean, yeah, the playing has to be spirited and, 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 and exacting and, and all the things that make a record great are on it. But at the end of the day, it's a song, isn't it? 
that's definitely been my focus in the last little while. I spent a lot of time uh, in my younger days being, you know, this harmonica hotshot. Were you ever? Done a lot of that in my life, and I've spent a lot of time focusing on instrumental music and, and developing the ability to play guitar or keys or drums or whatever. And the most challenging aspect is songwriting for me. So that's the one I want to tackle the most. And I think on this record, I wanted to keep the solos tight and the choruses loud and fist pumpy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've really tried to pour my heart into this record and be honest. A lot of the songs are autobiographical. And if they're not, they're not much of a stretch. You know, so it, uh, I'm really pleased with the lyrics on this record. I'm glad. And, and you know, songwriting is such that, and I love this about a lot of songwriters, some of it's autobiographical, some of it's not. Not telling you what. Because, right. you know, people are going to take it and relate it invariably to their own life anyway. And as long as they can do that, then I think my job's been done. Absolutely. Uh, let's go back to harmonica a bit. There's two approaches to the harmonica. There's full-out barhouse blues wailing on a microphone, which can be a lot of fun, obviously, and 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 for you and for the audience when things are really cooking. And then there's the singer-songwriter. You know, you, you think of you, obviously you think of Dylan, you think of Neil Young, and you think of Bruce Springsteen. It's it's the harmonica serving the song. Sometimes it's uh, playing guitar, playing harmonica, and then getting to another verse. It's just pretty. It punctuates it. It, it enhances it. You know, when I was younger, um, before I really turned my focus to songwriting, and uh, I was really into, like, Chicago blues harmonica players, when someone would bring up, you know, Dylan or someone of that ilk, I'd kind of always turn my nose up a little bit, being like, oh, you can't really play harp. But then <laughs> in my my wiseness as I mature a little bit, I, I can you imagine it sounding any other way? Right. You know, it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect for what it's doing. It's, <laughs> you know, not everything has to be about instrumental prowess. Right. You know what I mean? That's it. And if, I mean, unless it is, and then join a, you know, instrumental funk, jazz band or something you know? and that's fine that's cool there's a there's space for that there is you know and it's a it's fun on its own but you know when you're just trying to write a song and convey an emotion sometimes just a simple little lonesome wailing harp is all you really need i do dig it oh uh, you were like 11 when you started playing harmonica yeah i was always into music from the time i was you know really young i my my dad listened to a lot of oldies, like on the radio station in Ottawa. There was oldies thirteen ten. Was it was it pop hits of the day or what was yeah, it? Yeah, oldies thirteen ten. They played like you know a lot of Guess Who, oh, uh, yeah. a lot of um, you know like Johnny Rivers and before the eighties, like early seventies is kind of where they cut off. You know, I loved that music, and uh, so maybe uh, just from hearing that through osmosis of being in the old car with my dad, yeah. that kind of found its way in my brain. But what really brought it home was. Uh, when I saw Back to the Future for the first time, and there's that scene where he, you know, he jumps up and does Johnny Be Good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's an amazing, timeless scene. And uh, from there, I, I wanted to know about that kind of music, like rock and roll. So my parents got me a uh, Chuck Berry, The Great 28 CD. Perfect. And uh, I started doing my homework. And you know, I started knowing all Chuck Berry's music. Then I got into you know, like Elvis Presley and... Uh, Jerry Richard, Lee, Jerry Lee Lewis, Richard, all the Sun stuff. You the know, it was like a, a slow process over the years. And then, so when I was, just before I turned 11, I'd seen the Blues Brothers movie at my, at my father's uh, 
recommendation, we sat down and watched the Blues Brothers movie, and uh, I was enthralled with (laughs) what I saw and heard, you know. And uh, I just, so from there, I started deep diving on Chicago blues and learning about Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and Sonny Boy Williamson, Little Walter, James Cotton, you know, and countless others. And from from that point, really, uh, was the springboard for my lifetime love affair with blues music. You really have to. I'm glad that you went through all of that because you really have to. It's integral to understand where you're going if you know where it started and where it's been. I think so. You know, and any of the great rock and roll bands, take the Stones, for example, you know, they'll they'll tell you. Like, you know, I think there's lots of quotes about Keith saying, you know, like any rock player who doesn't know how to play blues isn't ain't worth a damn or something like that. Right, and without the American blues, there would have been no Rolling well, Stones. That's it. And, and there you, would have been no Beatles. No, and you have to have that context to understand just to have the palate just to inform your decisions and develop your instincts i have to toot your horn because you started when you were 11 and at 14 you're in this contest in ottawa if i'm not mistaken tell me about it yeah that was called the ottawa blues heart blow off summer of 99 (laughs) so uh yeah i was playing with a local blues band in ottawa the johnny russell band the blues bar in ottawa is called the rainbow it's still going yeah there's posters that i saw about this blues heart blow off and so i answered you know and um my current bandmate in monkey junk tony d he he was the house band backing up all the heart players and uh you know so i went to a jam of tony's on like a tuesday and told him i was going to enter the competition and he said well good luck if you can learn blue lights by little walter that'd be really something (laughs) and so for the next couple months i really practiced that really hard and uh, I couldn't really sing at all at that point. So I didn't, I don't believe I sang a song or even tried to. I think I went up and played like three instrumental harp songs. And uh, Do you remember the other ones? So long ago. Or I, what would I, your go-to be right now if you had to go back in that contest and play a couple Well, you songs? know, there's. I've always been into playing like sort of up-tempo, like boogie type stuff. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of songs that are very, very similar under different names, but they're all very similar uh like you know one that everyone knows is uh whammer jammer by jay giles band so i love it magic, right. Dick, magic right? dick right so i mean well, that's an amazing thing that he's done but it's very similar to uh fabulous thunderbirds tune called down at antones yeah. which is very similar to a little walter song called rocker which is you know what i mean yeah. it's 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 all it's of that everyone's tradition. take on, sure. this, on the same tradition sure you know so that's been a, a thing that i uh have always gravitated to Kim Wilson from the T-Birds has always been a huge influence on me. So, uh, yeah, I probably did something like that, like a boogie type (laughs) thing. And then like a slow blues with blue lights by Lil Walter. And then, uh, I don't recall what the other (laughs) would have been, but, uh, but, but you obviously won them over. Was it judges? It was judged by local musicians. And, you know, I think one or two people from the Ottawa blues society at the time, I can't say with any certainty now that I was the most deserving player, but it was certainly, you know, I, I could hang with the guys. There was another really great harmonica player from Ottawa. He was still there named Neil Barrington. And he, I feel, was the most together player, but really helped um, get my name out there in Ottawa and and let people know that I was serious and not just, you know, some some kid. It's cool. Yeah. You talked about... Um... I don't know the word. I don't know if you used anthemic, but I want to go to the record right now is what I'm getting at and play one of those. 
before we kind of quiet it down and get into introspection, okay. it's like you on the couch, but with a guitar, singing about your <laughs> life, mostly. That'll be the live. I think we'll do two or three live songs. When I say okay. we, I mean you. I'll just watch. <laughs> but let's go to the record first. The new album is called Hope Dies Last. Hope. It's a great title. Thank you. Uh, hope, hope is one of those. I did a whole hour on radio about hope during COVID because it seemed appropriate. Yeah. It was one of the last things we have. Faith is believing without seeing, and faith tied to hope is is hopefully you know light at the end of the tunnel. Tell us about the title of the album before I play this song from it. For several years, I just had this uh, line, uh, hope dies last when you're living in pain and never say never unless it's never again. And I just I thought that, I don't know where it came from, but it just popped into my head, and I've been holding on to it for the right moment. It's and, too good. Uh, say it again slower. Hope dies last when you're living in pain and never say never unless it's never again. So <laughs> that line finds itself, that couplet, I should say, finds itself in a song on the record called Hear My Heart. I wanted to acknowledge in a very small way that this was a like a pandemic record. I have always felt from the outset of the whole pandemic that, yeah, it's going to be a weird time, but humans always persevere one way or another and so like the last the very last thing to go is the hope you know like all all the other stuff will can fall or change or or be a seemingly a disaster but hope remains we're gonna be fine what you're really good at among other things is uh committing songs to video at a high quality they sound good they look good they're shot well they're a great background you're sitting in a in a, in a killer room and, and there's several of them on YouTube. Look up Steve Mariner and you'll see a bunch of them. Uh, one of them would be How High. Mm -hmm. And I want to play it. What are you going to say about How High before I hit play? That's a riff that I had on my in my iPhone notes for a couple years really? and uh, looking for a home. And then uh, I was a song or two short of 10 songs for this record. And I got in touch with a, a friend of mine from uh, Halifax named Chris Kirby. He tours with uh, Matt Anderson and he's a great musician of all kinds and record producer as well. But uh, he uh, he and I sat down and did a Zoom like songwriting session. Probably well, maybe one of the only two. I think I did two <laughs> Zoom songwriting sessions. But uh, yeah, we just kind of threw the idea around, and it really didn't take that long. It's you know, it's a pretty light-hearted song. It's not it's not really super profound. And, and who's playing the drums? Glenn Milchum oh, from Blue Rodeo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Our favorite drum. When I say our, our friend Sean is here, who who introduced me to you. And uh, Milchum, I don't know there, there's a better drummer in this country playing with more really cool and quality bands. Oh, Blue Rodeo, obviously, you mentioned. He's a beast. But there's so many other bands he's got that you're like, holy oh, yeah. shit, this is a good band. Yeah, I'm playing with him this weekend with uh, Espinola, uh, Aaron Goldstein's project. And, <laughs> you know, he plays in Ian Blurton's Future Now. He's he's a high-demand drummer for good reason. He's just so good. <laughs> he's whacking the drums, uh, Glenn Milcham is, on Steve Mariner's How High. I make then I just might I'm a Mustang baby running wild grab my mane and take a ride 
big old bone Just call my name and I'll bring it all I'm a honeybee, but I don't sting But I'll sting all night if it's your We are going to have Steve play three songs live, and we'll go to the record again in a couple of minutes. Now, the band, we mentioned Glenn Milchum on drums and Steve Mariner, my special guest, uh, lead vocals. There's some other people that may sound familiar and probably are familiar. Shine a little light on the other guys on that song, for starters. Yes, so that's Darcy Yates on bass, who you can find on stage with Bahamas and Kathleen Edwards. And on um, guitar is the most incredible Jimmy Boskill, who you can find on stage with the Sheepdogs or Blue Rodeo or his own project, Brooks and Boskill. And he's um, got the coolest name ever, and, yeah. right? Jimmy Boskill. Yeah. How is he not going to be a musician? Oh, it's in the stars, man. That guy's probably the most talented human being I've ever met. Whether I'm playing or listening or seeing live, I got this thing for trios. Uh, I just hired two to play in my backyard this summer. I saw that shot of you at stevemariner.com, you and Chris Cadell flanking Colin James as the Colin James Blues Trio. So three strong guitar players. Uh, we know whose name is on the marquee, so how did you? How did that go down? Who plays what and why? Colin started hiring me to play harmonica in his full band around 2016. And then in 2018, he had a duo tour booked with just him and Cadell, which they had done several times previous to that. Uh, and at some point, he invited me along and kind of asked if I'd be the sort of utility guy. So I played a bit of keys, a bit of bass, a bit of harp, and uh, you know, sang background vocals and stuff. And it ended up going really well. So we did another one in uh, 2020. Right before the pandemic, because the, the second trio tour I did with uh, Colin and Chris was, yeah, we were we just got shut down uh, at the top of COVID. But um, so how it kind of came to be is, uh, you know, like I say, those two guys have been doing the duo for a long time. And I, I guess just having me around who, you know, I can play a few different different instruments just to give different songs the voices they need. Um so yeah, it, it rounded out the sound a bit, and um, yeah, it it, uh, it really became a thing. And uh, Chris is now playing full time with Big Wreck, and so we did a tour in November last, uh, our sort of first tour since COVID, with um, a great guitarist named Anders Drurup, who lives in Austin, Texas, 
and with whom I grew up in Ottawa uh, in our teen years. So I've, I've been knowing Anders a long time. And that became a really interesting thing as well. And we just finished doing another Colin Trio tour around <laughs> Ontario just last week um, with a guitar player named Scott Smith, who plays with Barney Bentall and uh, Aaron Perchette. And because um, Anders just had it, him and his wife just welcomed their first child. So, yeah, the, the trio format is, I think, something Colin likes to do um, on the years when there's no new record. And because of the disruption of COVID, we're doing both in the same year. You know, like we're doing the full band Canadian tour in the fall and we've just completed this trio run from November till now. So it's a, it's a great a great thing to do. And it's uh, it's a different context for Colin. And Colin's out with the, the great Buddy Guy, so you get to be on a stage with Buddy Guy. Man, we just finished that tour in April, and it was a doozy. We uh, wow. we started in L.A. and ended up in Rochester and drove 9,000 miles in between. You know, and We got <laughs> to play some really iconic venues like uh, Austin City Limits and the Ryman in Nashville, oh. and uh, an amazing tour. Now, you play all these instruments, uh, and, and, and that's one of the reasons they... They call that bench strength on a hockey team, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, your happiest place, if you had to pick one, if you had to put all the other ones down and uh, put your songs out, am, am I crazy to guess the you know, acoustic guitar? What, what's your thing? That's a good question. because I, I seem to sort of compartmentalize everything. You know, yeah, like yeah. I don't really have a favorite. Uh, I get a lot of joy out of different roles. And I think having those different roles sums up to a happier me. Okay. I find if I focus on any one thing too long, I get a little bored. You Variety know? and versatility. Yeah. So I like right now I'm playing uh, bass with Colin mostly, and I'm having a great time with it. I love playing bass guitar, and uh, it's something. It's actually kind of my second instrument. I started playing bass after I started playing harmonica. So <laughs> I've been I've had a long relationship with the instrument. Um, There's a joke about how. Uh, when the bassist goes home, that's when the uh, the guitar player records the actual bass <laughs> yeah, parts. True, true enough. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm sure that's true. Um, I don't know. If I, well, it was true with Hendrix. But, yeah. But <laughs> you know, I really do love playing electric guitar and singing and, you know, ripping a harp solo here and there. What's but, your favorite electric guitar that you've been playing in the last while? Oh, I got my hands on a nice Gibson SG. Oh, that, cool. Uh, I, uh, Is it red? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it in the a, video. Yeah, it's red and it's uh, it's not vintage or anything. It, it may be you know fifteen years old, but it's a player. I love it and um, that and uh, a Stratocaster. Actually, I was never a Strat guy, but then as part of a trade deal, I traded a vintage guitar for this Strat and SG, and they're like my two favorite guitars. So. Kind of great. Yeah. Well, we could name. We won't, but we could name a hundred players that play both of those guitars. Yeah. I, I always think of Iomi and, and Angus Young. But you know who, who played? I don't know that it was a, an actual SG, but it was shaped like an SG. A sister Rosetta Tharp, the great blues player. Yeah, they still called it the Les Paul something or other yeah. at that time. But those videos, I know the videos you're talking right? about. There's some killer playing on there. <laughs> I mean, really the foundations of like rock and roll guitar. you know. And, true enough. And often overlooked. Like I'm not sure everyone who should know about Sister Rosetta knows about her. Well, I'm glad we talked about it. I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Because it's cool. Well, you know what? You should play live because uh, people need to hear all right. um, the introspection uh, and the guitar and the harmonica playing all together. What do you want to do first? Well, I said the name Nashville. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should do that one. 
true enough. No more Nashville's the song. And uh, it reminds me of a couple of greats, but I won't tell you now because I want you to leave it to your imagination as to where this is going to go. It's Steve Mariner live at Wildwood's Blue Studio here in the Blue Mountains of Ontario in the Records and Rockstars podcast. No more Nashville. That's great, listening to you, Steve Mariner, doing No More Nashville. 
I thought if Steve Earle and John Prine had a baby, it would be really <laughs> weird, but uh, it might sound like that. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say so because in my mind when I wrote it, it was, it was very much uh, tip of the hat to John Prine. Oh, He's sweet. always been one of my favorite writers. And uh, I've been, I was fortunate to see him play a couple times, actually. And um, yeah, I just I love his songs and his approach. You know, it's an emotion, a couple chords, and really honest singing. I love it. He was as real as it gets, and rest in peace, John Prine. Uh, another, speaking of authentic and um, the real deal, who's also no longer with us, who you covered on the record, uh, Tom Petty, Honey Bee. Yeah. Which is just a great, easy song. Yeah, I mean... Easy to take, I mean, easy to digest yeah. and, and fun. That kind of came about in a roundabout way where, um, first of all, I want to say, I came to Tom Petty kind of late in the game. Some buddies of mine from Ottawa, um, these brothers, Matt and Curtis Chaffee, who uh, are really great musicians, they've been telling me about him for years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just never somehow got there... And then um, I heard You Wreck Me on the radio and was like, oh, okay. I can't, I mean, I've heard the hits, obviously, you know, like Won't Back Down and, you know, uh, Running Down a Dream, stuff like that. Free Fallen. Yeah, Refugee, on right. and on and on. I've heard Mary the hits. Jane's Last Dance. We, right. we could name 20, but there's another 100 that are really good. Well, sure. And then I finally <laughs> dug, I, I remember saying to my brother, if there's one Tom, like if I, I want to get into Tom Petty, where do I start? He's like, Wildflowers. So I was I listened to Wildflowers record even maybe like five six years ago six seven years ago sure and I just like it's one of my like many people <laughs> it's, it's a it's a go to favorite yeah. records especially since they expanded it yeah no it's fantastic and um, so Honey Bee is on that record <laughs> and I just gravitated to it because it's kind of on the bluesier side of things you know it's it's you know something I can really relate to so fast forward to after he passed away. A songwriter friend of mine named Jada Kelly was curating a list of uh, Canadian artists to cover Tom Petty songs and put it out on Spotify as Canada Covers Petty. And there was all the cool kids, you know, like she it was herself, Matt Mays, Serena Ryder, you know, a whole bunch of other people. And I was like, I want to come too. Can, you know, yeah, can I be in there? <laughs> can, can I be, be in, in that club? party? So sure. I, was, I happened to be in <laughs> Lethbridge, Alberta, recording a record with a guy named Leroy Stagger. And we finished a little bit early and we had, you know, probably an hour or so left in the session. And I was like, Hey guys, can we just quickly cut this tune? Like, we'll just do two takes. And if it doesn't work, forget it. It took one take. And, uh, <laughs> I had this tune, I mixed it quickly, gave it to Jada to put on that playlist. And I got a really nice response from people about it. So, um, I thought when I was gathering the, you know, the mishmash of songs to make my album, uh, I thought it deserved a spot on the on the list for sure. Well, Steve, the only logical thing to do now is hit play on Honey Bee. Steve Mariner.
Steve Mariner, there's Honey Bee, one I want to challenge you to do sometimes. because I think you'll really find it fun. Cabin Down Below, look that one up. Okay. We play it here in our little jam room all the time. It's awesome. like two and a half minutes, three minutes. Just, just especially for a guitar player, you're going to want to grind that thing. Okay. It's fun. And the vocal, you'll kill it. <laughs> Tom Petty. And go back to You're Gonna Get It, the second Tom Petty record. The immediacy and the... And the and the and the and the visceral sort of uh, approach to songwriting on that record in particular, it was the one before, uh, damn the torpedoes. Okay. So, so he was on fire. Yeah. Well, thanks for the homework. Get, <laughs> yeah. Get <right>. to it. <laughs> you can get back to me on whether you liked it or not. Um, let's go back to uh, you playing live. Oh, by the way, maybe in a few minutes, there's. Did you see that resonator guitar behind you? I did. It was beautiful and shiny. Right, and it sounds super cool. And you picked it up, and you and you. Maybe in a bit you could just strum it a bit because it's a friend's guitar, and he would he would you know he would be out of his mind if you if you played it properly. I'd love to because he can't. <laughs> Nor can I. Um, do another live song. What do you want to do next? How about uh, this one called Coal Mine? I um, at the end of 2019, I got together with Tom Wilson from uh, Black and the Rodeo Kings. I'm very familiar. Yeah, you know Tom. Yeah. Well, isn't that one of his paintings in the corner there? <laughs> it is. Yeah. We go back to, because I worked for the label that okay, uh, right. represented Tom back in the day, Sony Music Canada. Of course, right. Tom's so, so good. And I, yeah. and I loved the song before I looked at the credits. I assumed it was you. And then only after I heard it did I put it together. Yeah. That it sounds like you and Tom. Yeah, and Jesse O'Brien as well. So the, the three of us got together in Hamilton, and uh, yeah, we kind of banged that one out. I had the line, you know, I'd, I was talking to a friend who is stuck in a bad relationship, and I said something to the effect like, Jesus, it's like you're digging a coal mine looking for gold, you know? And <laughs> so that little line stuck in my head, and I brought that to the session, and then Tom expounded on that a bunch, and we just kind of filled in the cracks, and made the music all happen together and yeah it was it was a great session great writing session and kids at home that's what we call a hook that yeah. line in particular is perfect well you know, pick up your guitar and uh, Steve Mariner's gonna play Coal Mine 
Oh, man, Steve Mariner. Uh, you know what I thought of when you played that? And everything, like we talked, there's nothing new. There's variations of everything that's ever been done. And I think that's the beauty of music. But would sound really good, that song, um, Coal Mine, in a mashup scenario with, uh, with John Lennon, the way you do that riff. Cool. With a working class hero. Okay. The, yeah, it's so similar to me because I'm a you know, Lennon freak. And, uh, and that was great. That's some more homework for Steve Mariner. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good song. I remember someone saying to me, um, do you hear the new Green Day song, uh, Working Class Hero? And I said, yeah, they do a pretty good job of the John Lennon song. Telling a story the other day on the radio about Junior's Farm, the Wings song. It's such a great song. But that's kind of cool to someone like you who's been down to, to Nashville mm-hmm. um, because they were staying at, at the farm of a guy named Curly Putman. Curly Putman Jr. and he wrote the Green Green Grass at Home, which is a pretty major song. Really? Yeah. Wow. So he had this place, and when they were in the studio, they'd go stay, you know, and eat and and, and sleep at, at Curly's place. Wow. In Nashville. That's really cool. Kind of neat, yeah. right? So when you get some of the history behind the songs, and the the song's so goddamn good, even though it's been on the radio a hundred times, it's like, oh wow, it's even cooler suddenly. Yeah. Um, George Harrison, All Things Must Pass. I came to it late. After I'd already been a Lennon and a McCartney freak, mm-hmm. that's the one. That's the one. A lot of people say that, and I have no good reason why I haven't. I just I find uh, time in a day. That's it. I was playing your 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 album for the first time, and uh, and and we do this weird thing to your point because we're always on a phone, we're always on a yeah. something other than a stereo, oftentimes because we're checking stuff out. I do like the record spinning or, or the big speakers playing, but sometimes they're on the phone. And I'm like, I'm looking at my phone while I'm listening to your songs. I'm like, what am I doing looking at the <laughs> yeah, phone? This sure. is audio only. Yeah. The way to listen to music. And, and kids have a hard time because their their attention span's so short. Oh. And they're like 30 seconds later, they're another song, another song, mm-hmm. another song. Put the device down yeah. and take it in. The whole goddamn song. Yeah, I've, I'm guilty of that. I'm, I'm a skipper. I... Uh... I'm guilty of, of that. Well, we all are, but you know what? It, it, it's a disservice to the enjoyment of music. You know, aside from the fact that it's a disservice to the record and the guy who made it or the woman who made it, it's a disservice to you as a listener because you're not getting the full experience. Put the thing down, even close your eyes, lay down on the couch. It's kind of great in the car, too, listening because you're, you're focused yeah. on the road and you can really take it in. That's where I do the bulk of my listening to stuff uninterrupted is right. when I'm driving. I'm always driving that's or flying, right. you know, so, uh, you know, that's where I check out new records uh, or, or old records that I haven't yeah. found out yet. Uh, that's my favorite is particularly when I'm driving by myself. I love listening to music and singing along if I want. And, it's pretty you know. great. And yeah. in, in, in that Tom Petty channel on Sirius Satellite. Yeah, it's pretty serious. Right. Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was a great radio host too. I'm glad they still play all of his buried treasure shows because they're killer. Yeah. Um, Sean Priest Hall's going to give you my uh, phone number, and you'll text me, and then and you'll go, "Why is Woods sending me 40 million recommendations? Tell him to stop." <laughs> no, man, I'd welcome it. I, honestly, I do. I need like a music Sherpa to help me through navigate the stuff that I missed, and and you know, and uh, I, I love it. It's a, it's one of the greatest things is discovering great music that. That exists, and, and and being a kind person as we all are, uh, or, or 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 need to be, 
it, you, you you recommend music that you think that they will like, not just sure. music that you like. So I'll send you stuff that won't waste your time. Beautiful. Okay. Off the top, I alluded yeah. to the fact that when I was uh, getting up today, having my coffee, I, I put on some meters. And, and and it meant nothing other than the fact that I liked the meters and it sounded great with coffee. And then I uh, started, you know, reading more into who you are and, uh, and I realized that... Uh, you had something on the record with a New Orleans kind of meters groove, an instrumental song. Tell us a bit about this one. In the depths of one of the lockdowns, I was, uh, you know, I had really nothing to do other than just sit around at home and play guitar. And I got into just messing around with drum loops and, and just just trying to be creative. And I came up with this riff and programmed a little groove to it and sort of composed the, the whole tune right there that morning that was just what i got up to that day you know and uh so i i wrote this instrumental and um that group of players who i put together for for the session for what became hope dies last it was like this is right in everybody's wheelhouse you know like like glenn is so funky and cool and darcy yates on bass uh he admits his favorite bass player is george porter jr from the meters <laughs> As is mine, you know, like George. Anyway, there's a whole other story there, but uh, <laughs> um, I've been an enormous Meters fan for probably 20 years. I so much of their records inform my instincts in music. So, yeah, I just wrote this tune, and I was like, okay, there's my Meters thing. You know, like <laughs> cool. it, it just came out at that time, and and there it is. And I, you know, it. Um, I wanted the title to sound like something they would have titled it so it's got a bit of a, that vibe and you know it was in the middle of a lockdown so and it's got this sort of uptown funky kind of thing going on it sure does yeah. it, it sounds like if if richard Pryor had done one more movie in the 70s <laughs> it might be called uptown lockdown right steve mariner <laughs>
Orleans inspired meters groove there on Steve Steve Mariner's Uptown Lockdown. You mentioned Darcy Yates on bass, so love seeing him play. Saw him play the first time, probably at the Dakota, where I saw a lot of bands for the first time, and uh, and and then he ended up producing uh, my boys, Mountainhead. Yeah. So uh, they speak highly of him. Everyone does. As musical as it gets, they laugh at the things that he tells them to go listen to. Yeah. When I say laugh, they go they go listen. Yeah. They're good, <laughs> great guys. You know, I, I met Ben and Kyle kind of maybe a couple years, just before the pandemic where we really got to meet. We met at the Skyline in, uh, in Parkdale. Favorite and, restaurant right here. Yeah, it's great. And uh, <laughs> Monday nights they used to have the Skyliners, you know, Jake Chisholm and Judd. And uh, Danny Nash and Darcy, and, you know, uh, I played piano with them for a little while, a couple of years back. But um, anyway, yeah, that that was just such a cool scene, you know. Like on any given Monday, there'd be, you know, the July Talk, Serena Ryder, the Sheepdogs, me and Paul Reddick in the corner, and uh, you know, <laughs> any number. Samantha Martin, you know, there it was like a really great musicians hang. Toronto and, uh, heroes, uh, all of you, um, and what a restaurant! I mean, uh, oh yeah, uh, classic. Lunch, dinner, mm -hmm. brunch, do it. Skyline, I, it's the best place to go and eat, as far as I'm concerned. And the staff are sexy. Oh, you mentioned uh, Samantha Martin. Why don't we play the duet that you did off the record? Yeah, it'd be great. The song is called Enough, and I wrote it with my fiance Jackie. Um, and it chronicles our own breakup, which happened in 2019, which we've since worked out and are now engaged, which is lucky for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, And Jackie's actually quite a great singer, but has never done it professionally or anything. And I, I tried to get her to, to actually sing the part on record. And, you know, I explained to her there'd be no one there, but just me, you know, but she, uh, she wasn't ready to do it. So, so I asked. Yeah. Kim, let me get this straight, though. You played No More Nashville a bit ago, the one that was uh, John right. Prime-inspired, and that had some lines in it that seemed relationship-based. Does one of these, does enough relate to that? Yeah, they're both opposite ends of the same story. So uh, um, at the time we split, I was actually planning on taking her to Nashville to propose to her. Oh, wow. So, uh, and she had never been to Nashville, and so you know we were really excited, and then some shit hit the fan, and... We parted ways for a while, and um, no more Nashville. It, there, there you go. And <laughs> yeah, I was headed to. I was going to Kentucky anyway to go to my friend's uh, bachelor party at the at the Derby, and I was going to carry on to Nashville after that. And he said, "So you still going to Nashville?" I said, "No more Nashville," uh, and that's where the title came from. Anyway, the song wrote itself, but um, but this song. That's right. Well, this song. So what happened here was we stayed in in a at one point in the lockdown and she had never seen the last waltz so we smoked a joint and watched the last waltz she said hey can i show you some lyrics i have of course yeah. and then she read them to me and i'm like wait a sec is this about us and she's like yeah and so i grabbed a guitar and we just started kind of playing around with it and next thing you know there is a song and uh so i digress she wanted to i asked her to sing it she didn't want to sing it, so then I asked who she would have sing it. She chose Sam. We've all been Sam and I and Jackie, but we've all been great friends for a long time. So uh, Sam, uh, thankfully, lucky for me, agreed, and we uh, we recorded the part together uh, just before Christmas that year. Soul singer Samantha Martin, who's been in this room where you're sitting a couple of times, 
along with Steve Mariner. Song's called Enough. I knew that it would end. Just always wondered when you'd stop trying to pretend I was enough. Your heart was on your sleeve. You swore you'd never leave. And you led me to believe I was enough. The lightning in your eyes, those pretty little eyes. Though so cleverly disguised Were not enough And now you're caught between What you want and what you need Why is it so hard for you to see Another one from Hope Dies Last, the new album from Steve Mariner. Uh, you've been out doing solo records for a long time. If I'm not mistaken, you came with the first one in 2007? That's right. Tell me this, Steve. There's three kinds of people. Uh, people that listen to their old records, people that don't listen to their old records, people that say they don't and do. <laughs> what? What's it? And, and there's a lot that don't or just say they don't. It's like an actor who won't watch their right. movies. 
How do you feel when you go back and or hear a song uh, when you're out somewhere from from the first record, for example? Um, I don't listen to my first record much, but every now and again, it's nice to take a, a little stroll down memory lane. There's some great performances from the band on that record. You know, I had Garrett Mason on guitar and Sue Foley on guitar. Oh wow! Right. So like, there's some really great playing, uh, as well as uh, you know the rhythm sections uh, of different. There, there are a whole lot of people on that record too. What's something that you hear where you go, oh, God, I wish I'd done that diff- or whatever? <laughs> I don't mean anything yeah. specific, but it, does that happen? Sure, of course. I, I feel like uh, at that time, 2007, I guess I was 20, 22 when we recorded it in t- 2006. And so I really, my voice wasn't where it is now. My singing, my singing ability, hadn't, I haven't really settled into a comfort zone where I feel like I am now, where I don't think about singing much. I just do it. At the time, I was still trying to, I was still learning. Because you could have taken your voice anywhere. You just hadn't decided where it was most. Yeah, you, I, was, you. I was still finding a way to be authentic, you know, to, to sing with my own voice and not affect it in a way that wasn't natural. You know, right. So, you know, that's the only thing that really makes me cringe is when I listen <laughs> back is some of the singing, you know. But, um, you know, it was, it's interesting to, to look back at only you would pick that up i guess so you know i guess so i i think you're right because yeah most of the really talented people i know are super self-critical you know so i mean i think it's just part of the territory the same force that makes you take great care with your music also makes you super neurotic about it (laughs) i know it's kind of double-edged sword (laughs) but you know i i listen back to uh you know monkey junk made five records and, you know, I think someday we'll make another one. But um, I listen to those records and, it, you know, they bring back a lot of memories about what was happening in life at that time. And it's a, like time travel. And that's it's nice to visit sometimes. Oh, it is a time travel. That's yeah. exact. There's 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 time stamps on the things that we love. For sure. Right. Um, oh, congratulations, by the way, on yet another uh, nomination um, for a Juno. Thank you. Y- you've won a Juno before. Monkey Junk won two Junos in 12, uh, 2012 and 2018, and I've been fortunate to be on records that have won Junos. Uh, I played guitar on Paul Reddick's Ride the One that won in 2017, played harmonica on Colin James's last two records uh, that have both won Junos. That feels good, right? Yeah, it's great to, it, it's great to be part of stuff that is well-received, obviously, you know, and uh, I'm just happy to get the calls i'm gonna play two more songs well i'm gonna play one from the record i'm gonna have you play one live and uh, the one that we're gonna play from the record at the end let's just announce now uh, it, it it's super cool and it establishes that you're uh, firmly bilingual and, and, and it reminds me of dr john and alan Toussaint, and, and by extension bands like buckwheat zydeco and, and and if you're a little feet fan you'll probably love this too um it's a, it's a it's a cool new groove on your album hope dies last Tell us a bit about it. You're talking about Petite Dance? Yeah, we're going to finish with it, but I want you to talk about it now because we're just going to hit it at the end. Well, it's funny that you mentioned pretty much the two main influences for that song, uh, Dr. John and Little Feet. So I was driving solo from BC to Alberta on a little solo tour in 2019 when I heard that Dr. John had passed away. And so I started listening to Dr. John that which led me to listening to Alan Toussaint, which led me listening to the meters, which led me listening to Little Feet. Like I just had this little, you know, review of 
all that kind of stuff by myself in the van. And then it also kind of made me think, hey, like, I don't have a song in French and I've been bilingual for over half my life, you know, uh, and certainly love performing in Quebec and France. So maybe I should write, maybe it's now. And, you know, uh, so I kind of hatched this idea pretty quickly while I was driving. And then I called a singer friend of mine named Roxanne Potvin, who's Ottawa area based, but on the Gatineau side. And I basically was like, does this make sense? You know, does this sound okay? And she edited it for me and, and made some suggestions. So, then, you know, it ended up being a co-write. So, uh, but then, you know, that that was the song. And so, uh, thankfully, she uh, lent her voice to the choruses too. So, it, uh, it you know, it, it made sense to have her be part of it. But, uh, yeah, no, it, um, it was a fun one to record because I had a very specific idea for what I, what I wanted it to be like. And, again, I think I just said, Hey, Glenn, give me like a little feet kind of groove. And, and he knows what to do with that. He just sat there and worked it out and tried a couple different ideas. Yeah. And then when he wouldn't let us start till he really locked it in, which I admired about his dedication to his craft. But then he got the groove. He said, okay, that's it. Let's go. And then we just banged it out. And Jimmy plays very much a Lowell George type slide solo in that in that song. So, Jimmy Boskill. Yeah, he's a freak. And the gang. Well, that is the song we're going to play after one more live song and uh <laughs> you're gonna have to pick up two guitars right now because before oh, you yeah, play man. long way down um try that resonator yeah yeah if you wouldn't mind Sweet, sexy. If you could see it, you'd, you'd be, oh my God, that's a beautiful guitar. And it sure sounds good. Thanks, Steve Mariner. That's Bernard Welke's guitar. Right. He'll, he'll be tickled that you uh, that you did that for him. Now, pick up your other guitar and uh, play a long way down for us. Tell us a bit about it, and uh, and then we'll uh, let you go. All right. So maybe a decade ago, or maybe just a bit. Yeah, about 2010. Yeah, just over a decade ago. Oh, excuse me. About a decade ago, um, I was going to a cottage party uh, of my friends Kelly and Kaylin Prescott, uh, brother and sister, uh, and the the progeny of uh, Tracy Brown from the family Brown, and uh, you know they lived just outside Ottawa in uh, on a lake called Clayton Lake. And I got there after a gig, and it was probably midnight, and as I walked down to the dock, I could hear this beautiful song playing and I got down there and they're singing this stuff in harmony and this beautiful song. And I just became completely captivated. And when the song was done, there was just this silence. And I was like, um, is that like an old Dylan song I never heard or something? They're like, no, that's ours. And I was like, have you recorded it? <laughs> they never did really. And so I've been wanting to and trying to. I've tried to record that song three different times and it didn't really take. 
And uh, finally, I was at home during the lockdown, and I recorded most of the parts myself. And they turned out pretty. It it finally felt like the way I thought it should. And um, we built up the extraneous parts at uh, at the studio at Jimmy's studio that I work at a lot, the Ganaraska Recording Company. Um, so Jimmy Bosco plays like you know thirty string parts on the way out, and uh, of course you won't hear it right now because it's just me. <laughs> but, but you'll hear it on the record. Yeah, check the record out because it's it's a really there's a lot of ear candy on that song. Really big harmony vocals and string arrangements, and so it's um the song though is the lyrics are so great. Caitlin Prescott wrote a lot of the lyrics, and you know. It's sort of like a a vignette. Each verse is like it's its own little montage of a, of a different character. And I think all the characters included in the song are people we pretty much know or know someone like. And so this song seems to really grab people because, you know, kind of describes four unfortunate characters and, you know, but people who we know or could become at any given time. And it just kind of, you know, just a, a reminder that everyone's, you know, I hate to sound cliche, but everyone's fighting a battle you know nothing about. And, you know, it, and it can all change real quick, you know. That's an expression that will never go out of relevance or style. And uh, thanks for mentioning it. Um, pick up your uh, harmonica and your guitar and, uh, and play it for us. It's uh, Steve Mariner. The song's called Long Way Down. waking up stiff drink in the morning from an old coffee cup it makes him feel better so he keeps on telling lies to himself but he still plays guitar when people come over an old classic car 
without any motor. He said life's like cards, and he's just playing the hand he was dealt. You can climb it all until you finally fall. You better pray for the ground. says she's always tired and only coke makes her wake up she can't leave the room without any makeup so Jenny prepares for a night that she'll soon forget yeah and Jenny can't swim but she's out in the deep end She should be sleeping time after time and line after line she regrets all oh, she regrets climb it all until you finally fall you better Joe's wife doesn't join him down at the casino. Says when he bets that he ain't the man she knows. But broken alone, she wasn't there when he came home. So he went back for a game and asked Vinny to spot him. He busted so hard that Vinny's boys, when they shot him, he says, here lies a dreamer written across his tombstone. You can climb it all until you finally fall. You better pray That's perfection. It's a long way down. It's Steve Mariner. 
Kelly and Carolyn Prescott wrote it, and, and Steve did justice to it, as you could hear from that. I'm going to hit play on Petite Dance in a second here, the uh, the bilingual song from Steve. Before I do, though, you reinvented yourself to some degree. I mean, you were already doing it, but you formalized it a couple of years ago. That is Mariner Custom Sounds. If, if a musician is listening, and I know there's a lot listening around the world, because this, this thing somehow is big in India, and every other country you can name. Amazing. Um, <laughs> somehow. Um, what can people do if they're not in the region, or if, conversely, if they are in the region, to get to your custom sounds, Steve? Well, my big uh, pandemic project was learning to be a recording engineer and a mix engineer. And at some point it struck me that, okay, well, people, while people aren't comfortable getting together in person in a studio perhaps, maybe there's a way for me to bring their songs to life and um, you know record parts myself or mostly myself and then deliver them a fully realized song without actually having to meet in person. So... Um, I came up with the idea and I sort of got a logo made and all that. And the funny thing is I haven't done a whole lot of the remote recording thing. As it turned out, people ended up just kind of wanting me to mix their records, <laughs> which is great because it's sort of less work, you know, but, uh, basically Mariner custom sounds is just my calling card for any of my audio production services. You know, I can record engineer, which I, I mentioned before, I, I work out of the Ganaraska Recording Company in Coburg, Ontario, which is uh, Jimmy Boskill's spot. And um, But I, I mix from home or on the road or at Ganaraska. So I, I took stock just the other day, and since the top of the pandemic, I've mixed 10 records. Oh, wow. And, which does it's like wow okay what one pops to the mind right away when you think about them well uh the two three that are about to come out this year that i'm very excited about jake chisholm from the skyliners he's got a solo record coming out that i half engineered and mixed all of it um uh Bo brooks and boskill that's jimmy and his partner Brittany. they have a they're basically going to be the new folk heroes of canada it's incredible you heard and, it here brooks and boskill yeah brooks and boskill look for it this year sometime um, I just mixed that and it just got mastered. So I can't wait for people to hear that record. And we just wrapped production on the next record for Miss Emily, the singer from uh, Kingston, Ontario. Oh, she's something else. Yeah, she's great. Right. So she's done a lot of different material in her career. But for this record, we really focused in on soul and R&B. So it's like a straight up soul record and features, you know, a lot of different great musicians, including Rob Baker from The Hip came in and played guitar on one song and um I, the record's gonna be called defined by love and uh i'm very proud of it i engineered every sound on the record and mixed it all myself so that's the first thing that i've done where i've had total hands on it from beginning to end and i think we captured some amazing performances from great musicians and uh so, yeah, those three are the ones I'm most excited Miss about. Miss Emily, uh, Brooks and Boskill, and Jake Chisholm. Three records to, to, to watch for, mixed by this man, Steve Mariner. Thanks for being here, man. It's finally uh, a real great pleasure, to Jeff. finally meet you. Thank you. Um, and thanks to Sean Priest Hall, who uh, put you in touch with me. He's our friendly matchmaker. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good fella. We should go eat some chicken. Let's do it. And, uh, and leave you listening, wherever you're listening in the world, with uh, the French song. It's uh, Petite Dance, and it's Steve Mariner.
bébé, petite chérie, qu'est-ce que vous faites ici? Je veux savoir si toi et moi, on peut passer la nuit. Prends ma main, t'inquiète pas, et oublie ta misère. Je veux seulement qu'une petite danse sur la lune claire. On s'arrête jamais, on s'arrête jamais. Je sais que ça semble de temps en temps que la vie est dure. Mais écoutez, chéri bébé, quand ton dos est contre le mur. Et un plein vert, c'est tout ce qu'on a besoin Pour la joie de vie et une rêverie Jusqu'au lendemain Dansez, dansez Venez vous fêter Une petite danse, une grande romance Et on s'arrête jamais On s'arrête jamais toi Records and Rockstars radio podcast is available every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your streaming audio so you never miss an episode. Rate and review to help us spread the word. All this and more at jeffwoodsradio.com. Come on a journey like no other where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com. 
I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.